We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hi, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining me for this episode is the one and only Alistair McCaw. Alistair is a world-renowned sports performance consultant, mindset coach, team culture builder. He's worked with the best teams and athletes in the world, including world champions and Grand Slam winners. He's the author of two books, Champion Mindset, and seven keys to being a great coach. I would highly recommend you check both of them books out. We all think that we epitomize growth mindset and energy as coaches, but I promise you, listening to this man will have you second guessing whether you are doing enough, whether you are high energy enough, whether you are pushing yourself enough. I've wanted to get Alistair on the podcast uh, since I started doing them because just from his, his energy, from his work, from his thoughts, from his, from his podcast himself, he is different, different class. I hope you enjoy it. Please, please, please spread the word. Let me know what you think. Have fun. Alistair, thank you so much for joining me this morning, for having you on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. This is a big one. Gary, thanks so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And, um, you know, before we kick off, I just got to say, you have the best uh, introduction to a podcast ever. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it could, so, it could good be job. The, the best intro and the worst content, but I'll take it. I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. I've, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed your, your podcast so far, and you've had some, some interesting people on there. I, I, I enjoyed the Dan Abrahams one, and uh, uh, no, super. I enjoy it. Thank you. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, um, you were born in Northern Ireland. You moved yes. to South Africa when you were six. Do you ever think how much your life would have changed if you didn't have access to different sports and a bit of sunshine? Absolutely. Good Good point about the sunshine because uh, sometimes I think I'm solar-powered and now, now I live in Florida. But um, yeah, that that's something I'm most grateful for. Uh, and blessed for that my parents took that decision and that's nothing against Northern Ireland I'll, I'll always have my roots there um, born in Belfast and, and lived in, in, in Ballymena for, for a short time um, but uh, yeah South Africa uh, gave us so many opportunities um, it's such a sports mad country uh, I can remember playing six seven sports in, in school and sometimes having to choose between three sports in an afternoon um, those sports being being obviously the, the South African favorites of, of rugby, cricket, uh, played tennis, track and field, and um, and played uh, played soccer. So, uh, and if I can just jump in there, um, regard <laughs> regards the soccer and football de- debate. You know, let me just put it out there: when you live in the United States, and I'm sure you'll you'll understand this as well, Gary. We have to use the term soccer here. Uh, otherwise, it gets obviously confused with football. But uh, when I'm in the UK, we use the term football. But uh, it's just something. Uh, it's just something that's a, a constant battle here in the United States, as you can well imagine, using that term. But um, 
yeah, no, I'm most grateful for all the sports I played, um, the social skills it gave me, um, the leadership skills it gave me, which which obviously I use today to to a great extent. And um, yeah, most most thankful. I was always a, a kind of student of the game with soccer, always a bit of a thinker about it, but I never quite understood the power of mindset until I remember it well. I read a Rick Patino book in my junior year of college, Success is a Choice, basically about mm. attitude and taking control of your journey, etc., etc. Was there a moment that you caught this mindset bug or has it always been there? Yeah, good question. I, I think at a very young age, and it's something I, I can't explain, um, is already from the ages of 10, 11, I had a burning desire to be professional in, in sports. I mean, I, I saw the vision every day. I dreamt about it. I, I, I had this uh, tireless work ethic. I, I really prided myself on, on work ethic, on, on being able to outwork um, anybody that was in my, my team or anybody that was um, uh, uh, at practice that day. And I already had that at the age of 10, 11. Um, we, we didn't come from a lot of money. And I think that was a big factor as well as that, that I had that fighting spirit from, from a young age. I was the youngest of, of four boys. So um, I was used as a bit of a punching bag sometimes and I had to, had to defend for myself. But um, I think that mindset was grown at a very young age. And, and you know, this is something I, I see in athletes today that I work with is um, there's always something special in a kid when they've come from a little bit more of a grit, resilience background where um, maybe their, their, their lifestyle hasn't been, been easy. Um, there's been challenges in the family. There's been, um, you know, they've had to fight their way up. They haven't maybe been the most talented when they were younger, but, but they, they outworked the rest and, and they had a, a better work ethic. And, um, you know, it's advice I always give coaches and, and especially coaches and colleges for recruiting is, is, is higher character, higher hunger. Uh, don't necessarily hire the skill because, you know, skills can be taught, but character is hard to, to teach. But, um, you know, I carried that right through. Um, I had a, a decent career in triathlon. I, I competed in five world championships, which is a, a tough sport. It's a very individual sport. Um, but I think having the, the combination of team sports and individual sports really helped my, my mindset to understand that it's your responsibility to do the work, but also be able to work along with others. You think that grit, resilience background that you talked about, do you think that coaches sometimes misinterpret that? Like someone who is from a tough background and who has that grit and, and that attitude to make stuff happen usually comes with a certain attitude that goes the other way as well. Maybe they overstep the mark. Maybe they're overly aggressive. Do you think coaches sometimes misunderstand that or misinterpret that as a, as a bad attitude or a bad behavior? And we want, kinda, we want everyone just to agree with each other all the time? Yeah. Um, good question, because to, in today's world, I find the words grit, resilience, uh, culture uh, thrown around a bit too much where, where, you know, we don't understand the exact uh, meaning of them and, and what it really takes to have those and, and, and to have grit, to have resilience. It's so easy to read. You know, here's the thing. Mental toughness is not something you read. Mental toughness is not something you watch on an inspiring video or, or any given Sunday speech mental toughness and grit is experience it's things you have to go through and um you know boot camps or or sending your your team away on a team building mission to to uh suffer cold or, or stay in cold water that doesn't build mental toughness that is just an experience that someone is is being put through so 
you know, another thing as well is that, you know, coaches out there talk about grit and resilience, but do they really understand um, what that is? And, and for me, it's something you have to have gone through. It's not something you can just acquire from, you know, like I said, from reading or, or from, from watching something. But um, it's, it's acquiring resilience as grit is putting yourself out there. It's putting yourself under risk. It's putting yourself under challenges. It's putting yourself in, in uncomfortable environments, uncomfortable situations. Um, that is how you build grit and resilience. And, and uh, you know, today, in today's world, there's, there's a lot of comfort. There's a lot of choice. And uh, I think that's, that's somewhere where, where parents protect the kids these days is that they have a lot of choice. They protect them from, from the tougher moments. But on the other hand, they want their kids to have grit and resilience, but they are the ones that are keeping, keeping their kids away from it. You mentioned their triathlon and, and you competed at the international level. There's an insane level of mental toughness required for triathlon. Could be the most mental tough sport. Um, do, you, do you need that to, in order to just get, compete in the first place? Or can you, can you acquire it as it goes on? Can you build it, develop it, improve it? What's your, what's your take on that? Well, you see, I, th- I think it's a choice. It's 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 a choice. I knew I was always up against better athletes than me, guys that were were way more talented. Um, uh, there were, you know, there's three disciplines in that sport as well, so you know you have to be uh, very good in all three. But I, again, you know, getting back to to my youth, I I built grit and resilience by knowing I wasn't the best in the team, or, or always having to fight my way through to to get a position on the team, and and. Um, I, I prided myself on just outworking others and the tougher their conditions, uh, you know, I'd, I'd wake up on race day and, and if it was miserable weather, it was, the wind was howling. I'd go, yes, this is my opportunity because I know the other guys would be looking out the window and going, Oh no, look at, look at the weather and it's going to be tough on the bike and it's going to be cold. And, you know, they're just building excuses. And for me, it was a mindset shift of, this is my opportunity. The tougher the conditions, the more opportunity I have. And um, it, it proved a few times, you know, in, in the World Championships in Rimini, Italy, it was, you know, just horrendous weather. And uh, I, I placed six there. Um, and, you know, I, I really just embraced toughness. I embraced, embraced struggle. It was a mindset shift. It was a choice. And, and like you said there, Gary, you wake up every day and you choose your attitude. And for me, my opportunity came when, when conditions were tough, when the challenge was on, because I knew the other guys would be, would be complaining or moaning about it. So, um, you know, that choice is out to everybody out there. You get to choose your attitude. You get to choose what, um, you, you get to choose your opportunities and, and it's up to you to take them. Your other sport then, tennis, growing up, mm. um, played at a pretty high level at that as well. And I've, the Andre Agassi book I wanted to ask you about because I thought it was amazing how skill, repetition, hours and hours and hours and hours of practicing, does that build mental toughness and confidence and resilience? Or again, do you need that there to, you know, does a tennis player uh, who doesn't have any of that there just basically throw the racket away after the first week and do something else? Yeah. One thing you'll find in, 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 top athletes out there is there's there's always going to be one uh driving parent and one parent that's pushing pushing that kid and you know every single athlete player i've worked with regardless of what sport be it in soccer basketball tennis whatever they've all had a, a, a parent who um was 
was hell bent on getting that kid kid to the top. You know, very very seldom will you find a kid that that really just drove themselves. You know, there's got to be there's got to be a combination, I believe, of intrinsic motivation and, and extrinsic motivation. But the intrinsic mo- motivation has to be the deeper one. But yes, um, repetition, the ability to, to, as Dan Coyle in the book of the Talent Code talks about, the, the, the ability to handle the mundane, mastering the mundane. That is what uh, excellence of a skill is all about. You know, w- we look at the brilliance of a Messi. We look at the brilliance of a Ronaldo or a, a Roger Federer. And, you know, we just, we just go, wow. But we don't understand that these, these players are the best in the fundamentals. They are the best at the simple. They are the best at the basics. They are the best at the boring. And this is something um, I, as a coach, try and get through to, to the youth players is that understanding repetition and mastering the mundane is the key to, to excellence, Regardless if you're playing soccer, a sport, regardless if you're playing a, music, a musical instrument, whatever it may be, you've got to be able to handle the mundane. Mm. That's a really interesting one on the parents then. So is that, is that accepted in the tennis culture, coaching culture? Is like, all right, Johnny has an absolutely mad dad. Uh, mm. he's, he's got a chance of making it. Whereas in soccer, if you're a college recruiter, and I've, I've been there where it's like, Oh, her her mother is a nightmare. Her, you know, she's mm. in the, and you'd always almost we we're almost programmed to be put off by that. Does tennis view it a little differently? Yeah, <laughs> obviously, um, obviously in tennis. I mean, tennis is a sport that's known for for some crazy parents. And uh, funny story, Gary, is that uh, I was I was reading an ESPN magazine here in the states, and they listed the five craziest parents in tennis, and uh, I'd worked with four of them. Wow, uh, f- four of the five, and to be honest with you, I uh, still have a good relationship with them, even even though they're seen as crazy on the outside. But these, when you got to when you get to understand people, when you get to understand their drive, when you get to understand their inner story, um, and this is what something I fail coaches fail to do is is understand people's motives, understands people's inner stories, uh, instead of just labeling them as as crazy, for example, but. Um, you, you know, they, they, they were people that were, were, were highly driven in, in uh, a certain area. You know, they were specialized in a certain area. And, and a big reason why those kids have got to the top is because of those, those driven parents. But, you know, especially here in Florida, we have a lot of golf. We have a lot of tennis. Um, there's obviously a lot of money involved. That's a big, that's a big driver. I've seen some crazy cases of, of parents here giving up their mortgage taking loans of, of over a quarter of a million to, to support their, their 10-year-old kid, their 11-year-old kid. Um, and, and as you know, Gary, in soccer as well, there's no guarantee of, of any success, especially at that age. Uh, but they're willing, to, they're willing to put everything on the table and, 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 and make it. And there's some really, really sad stories that come out of, out of these situations as well. But um, on another subject, the, the, the kids that I've seen get to the top had more of an intrinsic motivation, but there was always that driving parent. And, um, you know, in, 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 my, in my book, Seven Keys to Being a Great Coach, I mentioned that normal does not create excellence. Mm-hmm. And something, when you get to the very, very top in, in something in the world, be it, again, be it sport, be it music, entertainment, you're going to be labeled as crazy, weird, strange, different because you're doing something that is, that is not normal. Mm-hmm. So it's something that comes with with the you know something that comes in the package. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think as so many coaches again talk to a group of coaches and we'll all talk about 
the, the challenges today and kids this, kids that, today's generation, this here. I just feel like where I'm going with this is I feel that we are not, we're not viewing the importance of the parents and we're also not, I don't know if it's educating them, but we're not seeing that the, the value of a, a parent who, like I have friends who are doctors, whose families were doctors and I couldn't get them out. I couldn't play with them when I was growing up because when I wanted to play soccer, they were doing homework. But yep. in, in, in sport, or in, I feel in soccer, we view that there as like, we, we are turned away, coaches are turned away by those parents when maybe we should be yeah. using the, the, I don't know, the motivation or the power of the attitude of that parent to try and drive mm-hmm. a little bit more from the kid. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest keys in youth sports is a coach's connection with the parent because, you know, you're dealing with a kid that, that's, um, you know, maybe 12, 13, 14, whatever the age may be, but uh, y- your message getting passed through the parent is more powerful than your message to the kid because that kid will always be, be obviously be more attached to, to the parent. But, you know, what, my approach when I work with parents is I build, I try and build up a, a great relationship with the parent. I, I communicate consistently, and I think that's something that coaches fall short on because they've already labeled a parent as crazy or uh, difficult, if we can so to say. But, you know, Gary, you'll know this, and, and you have kids, that, that the dynamic shifts and changes once you have a kid. You want the best for that kid, and that is the place we as coaches have to put ourselves in. We have to put ourselves in their, in their shoes of, if this was my kid, how would I feel about this situation? But on another side there, when I work with parents, my approach from day one with them is always see lessons or teachings as life skills. What, what I am saying to my kid right now, will this be a life, a life lesson and not just a sports lesson? So, um, for example, working in a team, um, putting others before you, uh, uh, complimenting others, all these things that, that work uh, for a greater dynamic in life and not just in a team sport. So, you know, that is the question I always say to parents is when you say something to your kid, make sure it's something that's, that's life building, that's, that, that's not only skill building, but life building. Whenever I, you know, I always tweet something along the lines of if you're, you know, a good player reacts to a defeat by looking at themselves and a, a poor player looks at the coaches or their teammates. Do you, when working with those famous tennis parents who went on to produce Grand Slam win, winners, how did they react to defeat as parents? Did they were they hard on their kids? Did they come after you? Mm. What what was their reaction? Yeah, it it's it obviously depends on on the person. I mean, it can be different in, in many ways. Like like I've mentioned, I've worked with some crazy parents where. In fact, even one of those players has just brought out a book, a memoir of, of her torment through, through her younger years of, of, you know, what her parents put her through. And uh, she's an Australian player uh, who, who is now based there, but, uh, and she's finished her career. But, you know, she, she talk, and, and I had no clue what was going on at the time, but she just talks about the torment of, of, of losing matches, of being scared to, 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 to take the, the car back home and, and, you know, her life would be, be a misery. But when they were winning, it was, mm-hmm. it was Disneyland and McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have some parents that, that are more understanding, um, where they understand to, to take a back step and, 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 you know, the best approach is let the kid come to you when they're ready to talk and they will. And that's something, again, I try and educate parents with is, um, Take space after after a, a match or, or a competition and wait for your kid to come to you to, and they'll be ready to speak about it. You know, 
the parent that wants to get into it straight away, jumping in the car or the minute they get home, that is what pushes kids away from sport. They become, they, they become fearful of, of, of competing. Um, you know, little, little Johnny on the field and he's, the, the team's one nil down or, or if it's in a tennis match, he's, he's losing or, uh, and they're looking at the parents, you know, because they're already looking at what the reaction is going to be. And parents have to understand this is that uh, let them compete, let them, under, let them learn the lessons, but, you know, take a step back. The coach will give that kid the, the information they need and the feedback they need. A parent needs to be a support. And um, I think it is something that is changing today, Gary, especially in the tennis and golf world, is that parents are becoming more understanding of this because there's better education out there today than there was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, isn't it? Awareness, education. Um, stay, staying on the Agassi book then, uh, you know, it, again, you've, to succeed, you've got to be wired differently and the love and hate always go side by side whenever you're passionate about something. Um, I, I thought it was great in promoting the reality of sport rather than the, this vision that everyone thinks that these people have great time um, every day going in and playing the sport that they love. And it's uh, Nadal has has a quote of learn to do suffering all my career. Um, what's your thoughts on promoting the reality of the game to young players? I think I think my philosophy, and it's very close to yours, Gary, and in, in some of the podcasts I've been listening to, is, is teaching life skills. Um, a sports career can be very short, and, and even if you're lucky to have a sports career in terms of uh, college, semi-professional, professional, but a sports career is very is very short. And you know, funny you should mention the Agassi the Agassi book, but he had a quote as well, which which I mentioned in in my new book, Champion Minded. That um, you know, we, we spend a uh, I can't I can't remember exactly, but he basically talks about my first quarter of my life. I'm I'm preparing for I'm not prepared for the third quarter of my life. If that makes sense, you know, you're. All he knew at a young age was hitting a ball, and um, he he didn't really learn much life skills. And and only in his, uh, you know, only once he'd retired, he'd had this new life he had to go into and learn how to, uh, learn how to deal with things, learn how to socialize better, learn how to accept not getting the best rest, uh, best table in the restaurant. So, um, you, you know, it really, it for me, it really comes down to the life skills first, because when you can teach good character, good values, good standards good work ethic, you know, success will come because those are the qualities, those are the traits that can that can give you success in any field you choose, be it in business, corporate, uh, entertainment, whatever it is. If you have those qualities, um, you're going to be successful. And how many times have we seen where um, athletes and, and, and uh, kids that have gone to college have gone on to be successful entrepreneurs or, or in corporate because of those uh, those things they learned through uh, sports, and and that is something that um, you know I try to get through to parents as well is that just the lessons they can learn from uh, hard work, from commitment, uh, from honesty, integrity, uh, all these things. People think because you work with the top players, see those those top tennis players, that it the the higher the level the player, the easier coaching becomes. Um, but I think one again reading a book that, that kind of changed my perception. Hank Haney, big miss working with Tiger Woods. Um, how, how difficult it is working with that type of ego, attitude, personality, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what are the challenges of working with a top player one to one in terms of balancing the 
the relationship and then giving them critical feedback? Yeah, obviously, it, this is a big one because um, every individual is different. And if I look at a particular player I work with right now, Kevin Anderson, who um, is top 10 in the world and, and lost to, to Nadal in the U.S. Open final last year, um, Kevin is a very unique individual where, you know, you've got to deliver information, deliver feedback at the right time. Um, he's very he's very good at, at, at giving feedback to, to us as, at a team, but um, – it, it, it all comes down to the individual uh, in, in terms of how how they receive that. It's it's it sometimes can be a difficult thing because uh, you know you're also having to work with agents, you're having to work with family members, you're having to work with fellow coaches. Um, you know these top players can be very skeptical of people. It takes a long time for them to build up trust. Uh, you know because they've got so many people that are asking of their time and and offering them things. And you know the higher up the ladder you you, you climb. Uh, the more temptation there is, but um, it, it really is that, you know, for me, the difference between coaching a, a young kid and coaching a professional player is a professional player has the skills. So you're basically managing behaviors and managing structure. And, and, you know, it's a daily management of um, the right things at the right time. As we're working with younger players, it's more teaching. It's more, um, it's more giving them the tools to get to that next level. As we're working with professional athletes, you're really dealing with personality, timing of message, and and just making sure that that the structure is there. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're working with that, we get one-to-one with the player. How important is knowing that understanding someone's personality when you're working one-to-one to them there's not a one-size-fits-all for like you don't have a curriculum to work with a certain player how much of it is technical instruction and how much of it is understanding their psychology yeah when, when you work with these type of players they really want to know you care mm. um, because everybody is is talking to them about their skills or talking to them about their sport or their last result and and, you, you know, when you really get to connect with that player, you get to, to connect with them on a personal level, that is where they are going to be more open to, to receiving information. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we make as coaches is go in there with our toolbox and we try to fix everything as quick as we can and we try and show the player or the team how much we know. And that is one of the biggest mistakes we make in the coaching industry is we don't connect enough. We don't give it enough time to build up relationships. We're trying to go in there and fix everything, or you know, maybe it's it's some it's maybe something in our ego that gets in the way of of trying to get quick results to to prove ourselves. So, um, w- with top players, it's it's an ability to connect. It's an ability to show them you really care, and that takes time. and And that is what coaches need to to understand out there is it takes time to build a relationship. You know, I've I've worked with players for two three years. Where it's taken that long to really that's, to really build up that trust, where they say, uh, "I trust you. I I will do what you're saying, even though it's going to be difficult, or I don't feel it could be the right decision, but I'm going to go along with it because I trust you." And that is what it takes. It's 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 a there's got to be patience in it. There's got to be the long term picture. There's got to be um, you know there's got to be a, a, a patience in the process, so to say. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. All right, last question for you. From a personal point of view, you ran 12 marathons in 12 months. Amazing. I couldn't believe when I, ran, when I heard that. I couldn't believe it. Why did you do that? Um, 
<laughs> That's a good question. I think um, actually I did even something crazier, Gary. I ran seven marathons, seven half marathons, and seven 10Ks in seven weeks uh, a year later. Um, why did I do it? Because I'm always trying to push my own um, mental barriers. I'm always trying to find ways to, to get myself out of my comfort zone, to do things that – here's the funny thing, Gary. I don't particularly enjoy running. Mm. And that and that might sound strange. So I, I love to put myself in situations where I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this. And that is what discipline is at the end of the day. It's doing the things you don't feel like doing, but doing them well. And um, on another side, what I chose to, to, to do those marathons and half marathons was to test my ability to recover. Um, because recovery is one of the biggest keys in athletic success, especially in sports today, you see how much more uh, intense the practices are, how much more matches there are. I mean, the NBA is 100, 120 games a season. That is like one every two to three nights. So the key has become recovery. So I put, I put myself under a little bit of an experiment to see what worked. I tried cryotherapy, foam rolling, uh, hot baths, all these things to see what worked. And, and uh, it was a great little experiment, but, but more for the discipline. Wow. Wow. All right. You've uh, completely changed my mindset from a, my job today. I might have to pick the pace up after that. <laughs> Alistair, you're, uh, you're an inspiration. I appreciate you giving up your time this morning. The insight is incredible. I'd love to have you on again. Gary, thank you. Before we go, I'd just like to, to acknowledge you for uh, your commitment, effort, and continuous ability to unselfishly give back to the industry and um, Helping us as coaches, you know, the work you put out in Twitter and, and social media, you've, you've changed a lot of mindsets, philosophies and cultures for the better. So thank you and, and please keep it coming. Thanks so much to Alistair for joining me for that there. Uh, I was a little bit annoyed after it, to be honest, because it, I didn't get the half of the stuff I wanted to ask him. Alistair had a meeting uh, with a client and I had a coaching staff meeting, so we both had to run. but. I'm going to get him on again because, like I said, I only got about halfway through the questions. Um, what I really love about the podcast is whenever people send me a, a message or a tweet or an email about, you know, parts or a text, something that, hey, listen to that there, love the part of X, Y, or Z uh, that they got out of it the most. But for me on that there was the last piece where you have a guy who's going to run 12 marathons in 12 weeks just to see what it's like, to see how much he can push himself and to see what the recovery standards are like. And there was, there was part of that podcast where I had to write down coach, not athlete, uh, because of the physical work and the energy he has. And I really, really think that there's something in that there because if, if you are going to demand that athletes today push themselves to limits and take themselves to places that they've never done, you must be willing to do it to some extent, to some extent, and that is something that they can see. And, and telling them that you're reading a certain book, I'm afraid won't cut it today. Uh, it, is it learning a language? Is it going somewhere? Is it being somebody? Is it seeing something different? And I think the physical part is so, so important. So Alistair, just his source of energy, the triathlon story, getting up in the morning, seeing that he maybe had an opportunity to beat somebody that day because maybe they wouldn't fancy it and he did uh, is, a, is an incredible mindset uh, and something that whenever I finished it, I, I went, we had training uh, right after it, after the meeting and um, 
I just ju I jumped in for a bit of running, which I rarely, rarely do with the team because I thought, you know, I've got to do something today. I've got to do something. I was thinking about that there podcast all morning. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it inspired you as much as it inspired me. Um, please, please, please spread the word. Um, Shoot and Alistair's very, very active on, on Twitter and social media. So don't be afraid to give him a shout as well if you enjoyed it, which I'm sure you did. Uh, we've got another few coming up this week, so please stay tuned. Thanks for all your support and for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.